Buenos días. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who are visiting, welcome to the church. Welcome to this family, Grace Bible Church, Iglesia Biblica Grace. We're so excited that you decided to worship with us. This morning, we are going to start a new series. We were studying a series in James, and then we have a little wonderful break about Eastern. And now we're going to start the next Including today, the next four weekends, we're going to be reflecting about prayer. How can we communicate with God? And we're not going to be talking about some of the methods or some of the ways because you have more experience and you are prayer warriors, I know. But I'm going to be speaking for those who are struggling like myself with that. I have a friend that I normally ask me how can he, he can pray for me, and I say, pray that I can pray. <laughs> and I'm serious, because that's exactly what I need. So we are so excited that you are here, and if uh, you brought your Bibles or your device, when you have your Bibles, have it ready. We're going to be studying a wonderful prayer that you know by memory. And even though today we're just going to do the introduction, we're going to be talking about or the prayer that you know as the Lord's Prayer, which is in fact the disciples' prayer, and you will know next week if you come back. During Christmas season, little Tommy was um, hearing the teacher at his Sunday school class explaining the importance and the essential that prayer is in the Christian life. He was concerned. He was not a person, little person who was praying. He didn't know how to do it. So he decided to put prayer to the test. So he went home and started praying to see if prayer actually works. It gives good results. Tommy had been looking at a brand new bicycle in a store nearby. So he decided to talk to the Lord and ask for that bicycle. He knew that his parents were not able to afford that bicycle, so what a great way to see if prayer really works. So he started praying. He kneeled on his bed each night, and he prayed fervently. He said, Dear God, Please, please bless me with that shiny new bicycle from uh, the store that I saw. I promise I will be extra good this year. And I will have mom and dad around the house. Amen. He prayed with all his might, but the bike never appeared. So he decided, a little frustrated, to change the tactics. He remembered learning about the Pharisees and their public displays of prayer. So he went outside the house and stood in the corner of the house, in the corner of the street, and started shouting with all her lungs, Dear Lord, bring me that bicycle that I saw in the store. I implore thee. But the bicycle never appeared. As a last resort, little Tommy decided to do something more drastic. He decided to take matters on his own hands. So he went to a nearby church that had, that had outside a display of the nativity set. 
he stole baby Jesus from the manger and took it to his room and hide it underneath the bed. So that night, he kneeled again and prayed. Okay, God, I got your son. <laughs> and I'm not giving, you, giving it back to you until I got my bicycle. Do you hear that? <laughs> it sounds familiar. The story of little Tommy trying to get a bike through prayer might be funny for us, but sometimes that's exactly what we do. Tommy didn't know what prayer was all about, and sometimes we think we know what prayer is all about, but many times what we do is just asking God for things, either his health, either a job, either a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or even not to have the boyfriend or get a girlfriend, or whatever. But prayer isn't meant to be used like a wish list or to force God to give us what we want. Instead, it's a way to communicate with, with him, to tell him our feelings, to, to tell him that we are thankful for whatever he has done, to ask for help, to connect with him in our spiritual beliefs. So this uh, story from Tommy starts by praying honestly, which is great. But when he doesn't get the bike that he wanted right away, then he was annoyed and tried different tactics. But that actually, let me be honest with you. Prayer is hard. If you say you like prayer, you're weird. I'm sorry for being honest. And they probably going to fire me after preaching this sermon, but <laughs> that's okay. I already pray. So I love what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said about prayer. He said, on one hand, prayer is beyond any question, the highest activity, any, beyond any question, the highest activity of the human soul. On the other hand, everything we do in Christian life is easier than prayer. And if he, a man of prayer, like Dr. Lloyd-Jones, says this, it made me feel a little better about myself and my spiritual life. But if we want to be honest, prayer is hard. But prayer is also essential. Do you know in Ephesians 6, from all the armor of God that was provided to the Christian, everything that we need to wear with that armor is to protect ourselves from the darts of discouragement of the enemy. But he gave us two offensive tools that we can use to actually defend. One is the word of God, the sword of the word of God, and the other one is prayer. Prayer is for us so we can get in communication in touch with, with the Lord and, and explain to him what is going on in our lives. So when we pray, we talk to God. He rules and controls all things. 
And even though we understand that we don't manipulate God with our prayers, he asks us to pray. He asks us to talk to him. He asks us to pray, not to inform him about things because he knows everything. He asks us to pray so we know what we're saying and reflecting of what we're asking him. Because the one who needs to be informed is ourselves. So as we talk about prayer, I will not be talking to those who already have that figured out, which is the majority of you. I will be talking to the rest of us who has been struggling about that. So the big idea that I'm going to share with you in this sermon is this. Genuine prayer requires shedding the mask of performance and embarking, embracing the authenticity of a personal, purposeful communication with God. You will understand why I'm saying unmasking in a few minutes. This idea of prayer is coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. He was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7. And he was talking about various aspects of the righteous living, including prayer, giving, and fasting. So interestingly, Jesus did not dig deeper and give us a necessarily a theory about prayer or emphasize one's intentions to pray. He refrains from specifically length and, and, and timing and frequency and posture or emotions that involve prayer. The only thing that Jesus instructed us was just pray like this. And then he gave us a wonderful model of how to pray. It was not his intention that we memorize it and repeat it over and over. It was just a model to follow of the things that we can say to the creator. And in which way we are interacting with him. And before we can study about Jesus' pattern, that's going to be next week. We need to introduce this. We need to start at the beginning and understand a few things that Jesus wanted his disciples and all of us to learn about prayer. There are three key points in this message. The first one, what prayer is not, prayer is not a performance. The second, prayer is personal. And the last one, the third, prayer is purposeful. It's not a performance, it's personal and it's purposeful. Let's see the first one. Prayer is not a performance. Judaism highly values prayer. Jewish people were chosen by God to receive his written word. They had the direct access through the prophets, through the leaders. So they were talking to God. However, over the time... Jewish prayer practices change with the influence of their own traditions. One problem was that the prayer became a little ritualized. Many prayers turned, to, turned into fixed phrases that people can recite by memory, making them a routine activity instead of a heartfelt conversation with God. Examples are the Shema. Also, the Shemone, Israel. The Shema is two Old Testament passages 
that Jesus quote in one of his teachings as the two commandments that actually summarize all the commandments. Love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Shemone Israel, there were 18 different prayers that they supposed to be pr praying three times a day. In the morning at 9 o'clock, then at noon, and then at 3 p.m., the Jewish people, the devoted people, no matter where they were, they had to stop and pray. If they were in a house visiting somebody, if they were working, if they were doing whatever, at that time, 9, 12, and 3 p.m., they will stop and they will start praying. It's similar to what happened with many of the Muslim people when they when they had to stop and pray, wherever they are. They are in the airport, they just bring in their mat with them, they stand there and they start praying. That's a similar situation that happened with them. But also, there were specific prayers for different situations, like uh, they were praying for light, for darkness, for fire, for rain, and more. They didn't always achieve the things that they were praying for, but they were very earnestly pursuing prayer. Another issue was limiting prayers to certain times and certain situations. Even if they were not connected to the real needs that they desired, they just prayed for prayer's sake. People also started to value long prayers, especially the ones that some of you like to pray when you are about to eat lunch. Became another problem because that was influenced by other religions, other pagan religions. Over the time, Jewish people started to include these practices in their own prayers. They were adding a lot of adjectives about God. They were talking to the Lord and they were telling him four or five or six or seven times different words for him. So this came from pride and aimed to satisfy them. That was the worst way to pray just to be heard by other people so that everybody can be impressed by the kind of rhetoric that that person was saying when they were praying. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about this to his disciples. Remember, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to his disciples. He's training them. And he's very direct with them. And he's taking the time in Matthew 6, verses 5 and 8, and he's telling them, when you pray, notice that he doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray, verse 6 and 5, uh, Matthew 6 and 5, because he was in the understanding that, that as disciples, as the followers of Christ, they were praying people. So when you pray, notice also in verse 6, but when you pray, verse 7, when you pray, Verse 9, when you pray, pray like this. So it's never if, because the expectation of a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, is that you are a person of prayer. Here is another interesting comment. In other Gospels, you learn that the disciples were asking the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, teach us to pray. Why is that? Because probably they observed that the Lord was intentionally taking the time to go and separate from the group to pray by himself. He was praying in public, but also he was praying by himself. He was spending even 
excuse me, the whole night praying. So they recognized that probably his power was coming for that moment that he was talking to the Lord. So he said, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice that he never asked him, Lord, teach us how to evangelize. Or teach us how to preach a sermon. No, teach us how to speak to God. To talk to God. I love this phrase because when you go to places in the remote parts in Guatemala, with the, yeah, amen. You go there, and we were in that little village close to Panajachel, a beautiful place, and they, they have a different places. There had like 12 volcanoes right there surrounding a big lake. Every volcano has a name of one of the apostles, by the way. So we were visiting that village, and we had to teach and preach in Spanish, and somebody was translating in Cachiquel for them to understand it. And I realized that when I was saying, let's pray, my interpreter keeps going. He didn't say one word for prayer. He was saying like five or six words for prayer. And when we finished the class, I asked him, why when I say pray, you keep going? You say more than five words. Oh, because in this dialect, we don't have the word prayer. So what are you telling them? Oh, when you say, let's pray, I translate, let me talk to God about you. That's a whole phrase. Talking to God about you is praying for you. So it's interesting. It's always remember that because it helped me every time that I'm praying that I'm talking to God about a specific issue. And sometimes we forget that when we are just saying a quick prayer before we go to sleep. Here we have the Lord is telling them how to pray. So there is a danger, danger here to say prayers that are not sincere, that are hypocritical. So in Matthew 6, 5, the Lord says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the streets, corners, and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. This is all the reward that they will ever get. The implication here is that the reward is to be seen by other people, and when they see them, they will admire them by the type of words that they are saying. So the admiration of the people is the only reward that they will have, is what Jesus is implying here. So the first thing that Jesus does is telling them how not to pray. And how is it? Don't pray like the hypocrites. It's a strong word. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, most of the time that this word is used is coming from the mouth of Jesus and is directed to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time. And it will be strong for us in our language, but actually the, the term hypocrite is coming from hypocrites, and, it's, and, and it's, it's a Greek word that means speaking under. Hupo is under. Speaking under, because it relates, it refers to actors in the Greek theaters who wear large masks to describe the roles that they were playing. So, speaking under, because they have a mask with a smile, and then they change that smile for a sad mask, and they were speaking under the mask. We got the word in English and also in Spanish, hypocrite. Hypocr hypocrisy. It means that a person who is not sincere, sincere, 
a person who is pretending some, to be someone else. So that's what Jesus is referring to here in the New Testament. Call the Pharisees, the hypocrites. These leaders acted like they were really religious, religious, but inside they didn't care about it. Notice that the verse does not say they love to pray. The verse says they love to pray if they can do it in a public place. They did it because they wanted to be seen by the people. They wanted to be heard by the people. And let me, let me make, a, make a stop here. Because you might be thinking that the Lord is against public prayer. No, he's not against public prayer. He's against that we are praying in public with the only intention, motivation, to be heard by people, not to talk to God. You can pray in public, but you can address your prayer to the Lord. You can talk in public in your groups, but make sure that what you're saying is not for the other person to know what you're trying to say. Many times, we are so good praying in public and so weak praying in private. We need to find the consistency, the congruency. The way that you might be praying when you are in public might as well be the, 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 the way that you pray when you are along with the Lord. So public prayers, the scribes and the Pharisees, were very ritualistic, mechanical, overly long, repetitive, and mainly for show. You know, you find different religions and they had their, their own ways to show their prayers. You know, um, I was raised Roman Catholic, and the, the word for pray in Spanish, I actually, we, we had two words. One is orar, which is the one that we use in the Christian church, orar. But if you are Roman Catholic, you don't say orar, you say rezar, which means repeat. Repeat the words over and over and over. You memorize the Lord's Prayer, you memorize the Holy Mary's, and then you come out with a rosary, and you have a rosary, and you got five beats, and then you got 50 beats in the, in the circle. So for one Lord's Prayer, you need to count 10 different Holy Mary's, and then another Lord's Prayer, and then 10. That's how you pay the pen, penitence. But you repeat it. And sometimes you just want to finish as quickly as you can and you don't understand not even what you're saying. So it's in some ways what Jesus is referring here. Sometimes even us as evangelical Christians, we commit the same mistake. We say the things. We say the same prayer when we're about to eat lunch. We say the same prayer. And, and it's, not, it's not a problem to say, to pray for the same stuff. We need to be consistent and we need to Pray, you know, you know, fervently and constantly for about the things, the salvation of our relative, uh, the situation that we're going through. That's okay to pray as many times for that. The problem is when it becomes mechanic for you that you just repeat words after words after words. That's what is implied here when he's, when he's saying, don't repeat the words. He's warning them against a hypocritical prayer. The consequences of a prayer that is not sincere, and Jesus is warning them, he says, I'm not listening. The Father is not listening to those prayers. He's not engaged. 
Do not engage in that type of prayer because it's, it's just to impress other people. Don't look for the acceptance of people. Look for the acceptance of God and learn how to communicate with him. So, in this verse, Jesus is teaching that prayer should be not a performance, but should be sincere, personal, conversational with God. And by pointing out this danger of being hypocrites in prayer, he encouraged us to, to have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So prayer is not a performance. What is prayer then? Number one. Number two, prayer is personal. Prayer is something that you do in secrecy. I like the hypocritical prayer that Jesus showed to his disciples. Now he's telling them that a sincere personal prayer is meant for God to be the audience, the audience of one. Not the people, but God. Verse 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Other translation says, go to your room and close the door. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So I concluded that Jesus Christ didn't like public prayers, but actually he loves them. In the gospel, you see Jesus both praying privately or publicly. When he was giving thanks for the meal of the 10,000, remember? Again, Jesus was drawing the attention to the motives behind the actions. Don't pray like them because they are not praying to God. They are praying to impress people. You better go to a separate place and talk to your Lord so you don't have distractions. And in those days, the houses, they didn't have many rooms like we do have in our homes right now. Everything is in one common room. They might have one little place that they call the storage room, the pantry or the closet or whatever you're going to call them. But it's so hard to get in there because everything is cramming there, like some of our closets might be. So it's hard to get in there. So in some ways, he's saying, go to a place that you can be away from distractions. You know, the Jewish people, they have um, prayer shelves like this, the talit. And they... Use it to pray, and it's beautiful. And one time when I was visiting Israel, one of the guides in the tour that we were taking, he was the one who helped me to, to get this one. And he says, that verse that we're reading, this is how we take it. Sometimes it's difficult for us to find a place to, to pray. So when we get our shawl, I mean, they have a, sometimes that I want to be in privacy, what I do I just shut the door and I start praying. With no distractions. I, I thought it was remarkable. Every time that I do this, I, I tend to go to sleep. <laughs> so it doesn't work to, for me. I'm telling you, I have a problem with prayer. <laughs> it reminds me the story of Susanna Wesley. Do you know about her? Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She played an important role in the education of those kids. But was a mother with, of 19 children when she came find a time to be alone in the house. I have one, and it's so hard to go to the bathroom by myself. 
So whenever she wanted to be, and the kids knew, and she got an apron, what she did, she got the apron and put it over her head and started praying. Every kid knew, when mama is using the apron over the head, you better not interrupt her, because otherwise you will see God. <laughs> These stories show us what Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples. Go to a place that you will have less distractions and have a conversation with your Lord. That's exactly what he is trying to explain to him. What are the benefits for that personal prayer? There are benefits even though here we don't see what kind of rewards he will give us in public. We can, we can induce that it, it will be guidance and peace and comfort and strength and wisdom and deeper understanding of God's will because we see it in other places in the scripture. So if you are praying like the world prays just to be seen, you will, rewards will be worldly. But if you pray the way that God wants you to pray, with sincere, with secrecy, the Lord will reward you, and your relationship will continue to grow. So Matthew 6, 6 is teaching us that prayer should be a personal and genuine conversation with God. Number three, and last one. Prayer not only is not a performance, prayer is not only personal, prayer has to be with a purpose, has to be purposeful. A purposeful, purposeful prayer is exemplified here in verse 7 and 8. It's a meaningful and intentional conversation with God that goes beyond the repetition of empty words and ritualism. Verse 6, 7. When you pray, don't babble. And that's a, an interesting word. The, the, the word is actually is, means, means that. Is onomatopoeic. It's, 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 it's like repeating something quickly. Don't bubble. And, and don't bubble on and, and on the Gentiles like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Remember the scene with the prophet Elijah in Mount Carmel with the 80 prophets of Baal. Baal. You know, there's supposed to be a contest there. Everybody wanted to make their God to reign because he was not reigning for so many days. So the 80 uh, prophets of Baal were, were just dancing, cutting themselves, and they were repeating over and over and over the same thing. Oh, Baal, please listen to us. Oh, Baal, please listen to us. From morning until night, that's all what they were saying, but poor Baal didn't listen. That's why Elijah was making fun of them, saying, hey, you need to speak louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He's not listening to you. So he's saying, don't use repetitions that are senseless, that doesn't have any meaning. Think about what you're saying. And I will say the same, when we come to worship the Lord, when we come to sing a song, I will encourage you, many times, most of the times, those songs are prayers. They just put some music on it. And many times, we just are like the parrots, repeating rewards, and we're not thinking what we're saying. Or you may repeat a prayer like the Lord's Prayer, and you are lying. Lord, forgive us. The same way that we forgive those who 
And sometimes we don't know what we're saying. So what he's implying in this part is just don't repeat things that are nonsense. You better follow what you're saying and understand what you're saying. This teaching highlights the importance of avoiding superficiality in our prayer life and pursuing a deeper and more authentic relationship with God. The danger of meaningless repetition lies in the potential to erode the very essence of prayer. Prayer is meant to, to be an intimate conversation with the Heavenly Father where we share our sorrows, our needs, our ups and downs, our problems. When we fail and when somebody fails us, it's him, the one that we need to talk to. I love Nehemiah's prayers at the beginning. If you get the chance to read Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 2, in chapter 4, you, you will be laughing. Because he didn't say anything to those who opposed the work that he was doing rebuilding the, the walls. But they were, they were mocking him. Hey, a fox can lie on that wall and it will fall. And he didn't say, he probably he was saying, I don't know, but he didn't say anything. But when he was praying, he was like, Lord, whatever they're saying about me, please 10 times do it to them. <laughs> you can do that to the Lord. If you are angry at me for whatever, you can tell it to the Lord. Don't tell it to anybody else. You go first to your Lord and, and tell him how you feel. The problem is, we're telling the neighbor, the friend, and whoever comes in my way about how I'm being mistreated. But that's not the way. The Lord is giving you the option, a direct line. So you talk to him. Tell, thing, tell him how you feel. And the one who sees you in private will reward you in public. We can never pray too much. If our prayers are honest and sincere, we can pray too much. If the, what we're saying is just repeated, repeated, repeated. So be careful about what you say and how you say it. The purpose of this authentic prayer is that you understand that you are talking to the creator of the universe. The one who knows exactly what your needs are. And he can provide for you. And when you know that he is having control of everything in the universe. And he can control your life as well. You are confident coming to him and express how you feel. Martin Luther expressed, by our prayer, we are instructing ourselves rather than God. And that's true. Therefore, the purpose of prayer is not to inform or persuade God, but to go before him with sincerity, purpose, conscience, and devotion. This insight calls us to shift our understanding of prayer. And transform the mere recital of requests that we had done so far to have purpose and heartfelt dialogue with him. Because prayer is communication with God. So by approaching prayer with a sense of purpose, we foster a deeper relationship with him. And we grow and we mature. Moreover, purposeful prayer strengthens our faith as we witness God's faithfulness in answering our prayers according to his divine plan. Going back to little Tommy, while I'm asking the prayer team and the worship team to come forward, going back to little Tommy's story and how we try different ways to get to that, to get that bike that he wanted so much. 
Well, little guy, he misunderstood the prayer was all about. And sometimes we might be like little Tommy. And we think that we have to do something special or tricky to get God's attention. But you just need to come as you are. You don't have to know how to say the words. You, cannot, you, you don't have to pray like the King James Version of English Bibles. Oh, thee, oh, thou, oh, God, whatever. You, you just talk to him as a child of God. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what is your problem. And if you cannot pray because you are hurt and you are going through a tough time, tell him that, Lord, I cannot say anything. And you are saying something. But talk to him. He understands. He made you. He created you. And he is letting you to go through that phase right now because what he will do through that testing and time, it will be amazing for you and for him. So to apply these insights, I'm going to give you three things. One, approach God with sincerity. Don't try to act. Don't try to show off. When you pray, free yourself from the need to impress others or to put a show. Instead, let you talk to God with humility, with openness, with honesty. Just be who you are. Number two, cultivate a personal relationship with God. Prayer should be an intimate way to dialogue with Him. Make time each day if you say, Lord, I'm going to pray for five minutes every day, commit to it. Five minutes is better than nothing. But five minutes can change your life. If you are really committed to that, you can see the results. You just need to be consistent. And you know what's the most important thing? When you say to the Lord, I'll meet you at five o'clock in the morning, he is there a quarter until waiting for you. He longs to speak with you. Three, focus on God. Focus on His will. Focus on His purpose. In our prayers, let us seek to align our desires. Like Jesus did when He was in Gethsemane. Lord, if you want, let this cup pass. But no more will, Lord, your will be done. Oh, how wonderful that we can talk to God that way. Lord, I want this, but if you want something else, cancel my petition, Lord. I'll stay with your plan. Once upon a time, a group of devoted monks, they sought to enhance their spiritual lives by spending some time in prayer. They went to a dense forest. They have a little shack, a little cabin. And everyone decided to find a spot where every day they will be going by themselves to be alone with God. Every day for weeks and months. And it was so remarkable because every month when they were on their way to the little spot to pray, to have a time with the Lord, it became like a little path because they, they were taking the same route every time. So the grass was dry there, so there was a path. And you can see all the different paths from different monks to go to their prayer. But then, situation happened, life happened, some of them were not going, and suddenly their lives would start changing. 
when the Abu came to visit with them and tried to encourage them and ask him about their life and their prayer life, they said, well, we'll, we'll try as much as we can. He said, you know, I can, I can see. Because some of those paths are full of grass. That means that you stop going to your time along with the Lord. It's interesting. Let me ask you something. Maybe the path that you are taking to have a personal time with the Lord is full of grass now. Maybe this time, this opportunity, a way that you can start mowing the little path, walking over that and make another path to spend the time with the Lord. By embracing these principles, we can transform our prayers, but most importantly, we can transform our lives. God wants the best for you, but he wanted in his own time and his own way, and he expects for you. If you need resources on how to pray, our church in their website, they have a lot of resources they put together through this series that you can go and log in and there are a lot of PDFs in English and in Spanish that you can download for you for free and you can learn a model to pray, a lot of recommendations, books, everything related to the discipline of prayer. We have a moment of prayer every time that we have a service and it's beautiful to see people come and to pray for one another. We want to develop a culture. If we say prayer is important, it's the reason why it takes time in the service so we can stop and pray together for one another and for the needs. Prayer has to be a value, not a felt value, but a sincere value because prayer changed. Not God necessarily. Prayer changed me if I am allowing myself to God. And in that spirit of prayer, will you please stand and let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to do something that is going to be very uncomfortable to you today. I want you to pray aloud right there where you are. And then I'm going to interrupt you with a final prayer. Please start praying and ask the Lord to help you to pray. Let's start. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Amen, Señor. Sí, Señor Santo. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come here as one body. Yes, you, you hear some of them screaming, saying the words, but the, the rest are just whispering those words. But you hear them, which is the beauty. We understand, Father, as, as we read these scriptures, you know, what is the significance of prayer in public and the significance of praying secretly that you, you don't care what type of prayer we can say as long as 
that prayers needs to be directed to you so you can receive what I'm saying. In the same note, Father, we're going to be singing your praises. And we're going to tell you what we think about you. And it's a prayer that we do in a mode of worship. Just, just listen to us, Father. Just hear the words that are coming from our hearts. And help us, Father, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Because he's going to be prompting in us. Not only, Father, to listen to your word, but also to put it in practice. And how important it is to know, Father, that you are waiting every single moment, Father, that I can take the time to come and have a conversation with you. Have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea with you. Father, thank you for being so merciful and graceful. For allowing us to come to the throne of grace. Thanks to what Jesus did on the cross and his wonderful resurrection. Now, Father, here we are. As we worship all together, we want to tell you, Father, how much, how much do we love you? And how much, Father, do we want to learn from you? And we want to be with you. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ, that we say these words. And everybody says, Amen.